0: Smart talk for curious people just like, you. just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley, You are indeed. I'm glad about it. We wrap today's program in dialogue with our friend and sister, Brianna Joy Gray, political commentator, lawyer, political consultant, TV host, who also served as the national press secretary for the Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential race. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray, good to have you back on this program. How are you today?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be invited back. I appreciate
0: it. It's an honor to talk to you as always. Uh, A number of things, uh, some trending uh, political topics I want to cover with you in the half hour that we have. Let me start with this, some breaking news since I've been on the air. Uh, One of the former Memphis police officers charged in Tyree Nichols' death has pled guilty to federal charges of obstruction of justice and use of excessive force. The ex-officer Desmond Mills Jr. is one of, uh, again, one of five officers charged with uh, Tyree's death Uh, he is the first to plead guilty in this case I suspect Breonna Joy Gray he won't be the last Uh, we all recall that 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 videotape Uh, we all were just uh, just uh, chagrined is not strong enough word but just disgusted black people were to see black folk treat a black male in this way Uh, but at least the first of these five has now pled guilty your thoughts on that to start our conversation
1: Yeah, I I wish we lived in a country where it didn't seem to be a matter of holding one's breath, that you would get a guilty plea or a conviction against someone who was caught on camera, uh, engaging in such a miscarriage of justice, unprovoked violence. Remember, this is a case where the police still haven't come up with a a reason after evaluating all of the video footage for why the stop was made in the first instance. So I I wish it didn't seem to be... um, surprising that you would get this outcome, but I certainly am glad in lieu of actually having not lost a life to begin with that this is the outcome we're seeing now.
0: Yeah. uh, Again, I said uh, a moment ago, it's the first. He is the first. I suspect there'll be others. Uh, I don't know any other way out of this for these officers. I don't know how you would defend or fight this. Um, We shall see. And they all have the right to 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 go to trial, defend themselves if they if they choose to. Uh, But my bet would be that he's the first. Uh, He's going to cooperate with this investigation. And I suspect these other brothers will do likewise. What a horrible day that was when that, that videotape surfaced. Of these black cops in Memphis, uh, not just maltreating, but murdering, frankly, Tyree Nichols. But there you have breaking news uh, that the first of these five has now pled guilty and has agreed to cooperate with this investigation. Uh, again, so many things to talk about in the in the, in the 20 plus minutes that we have. Uh, let me just move around here. Um, I think I want to go to um, to Cornell West first. And I, I want to go there. I want to talk about 2024 uh, broadly. I go to Cornell West in part because uh, I got a call yesterday from New York Magazine. Uh, because Dr. West and I've been friends for 30 years, and everybody knows that uh, I've been asked, you know, by various publications to go on record talking about him and his candidacy. He's been in the studio before, and we'll be back here in another week or two. Um, but I saw your conversation with him. I mentioned Brianna Joy Grazer. TV host herself. And I I immensely enjoyed uh, your conversation with him. I've teased him incessantly about not being able to find his glasses that day. Uh, There he was there he was on national television. And he said, Sister Brianna, I I apologize. I I don't know where my glasses are, but I can't find them. Uh, So the (laughs) professor couldn't find his glasses. And that was fascinating. I called him. I said, Doc, how did you lose your glasses, man? But anyway, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed immensely. Um, uh, what, what's your read of of of, of his campaign? And, and I, I ask it in part again because New York Magazine called me to fact check some comments that I made to them about a huge profile they have coming out in a couple of days about Dr. West, and because I've written an op-ed um, that will be uh, running shortly, um, offering my thoughts about the way the Biden team is trying to crush these third-party candidates. Um, so, with all that as a backdrop, um, your thoughts about Cornell West, candidates for president, for president?
1: Well, first and foremost, I'd say that I am enormously supportive of third-party candidates. I think that part of why there has been so little attention from the Democratic Party to the interests of black Americans because we are the most faithful ethnic group in this country in terms of voting overwhelmingly for the Democratic Party year after year. And we've seen that even when the Democratic Party is... Rather flagrant, and its dismissal of our issues. I mean, in 2020, when there were millions of people in the streets in the United States and around the world uh, asking for justice for George Floyd and for to have real meaningful criminal justice reform. Obviously, we're just talking about Tyree Nichols. We got uh, the Biden campaign really leaning into the idea that we should fund the police harder, and we were asked to put put our issues in the back seat uh because the trade-off as it was explained to us by the biden administration was i might lose to trump if you hold on to these values that you have or these policies that you want to push through electorally. And so whatever you think about the merits of those kinds of arguments, the political consequence of it is that Democrats don't feel like they need to cater to the black vote in the way that you see them at times catering to the Latino vote, I think, more strongly. And partly because that's a more divided group in terms of uh, how they tend to vote. Mm-hmm. So, one, I'm very enthusiastic about uh, his independent run. There has been, there have been a number of issues. In his campaign since it started, initially announcing with the movement for a People's Party, then switching to the Green Party, mm-hmm. um, adopting uh, Peter Dow, who was previously the campaign manager for uh, Marianne Williamson's campaign, then came over to Cornell West's campaign and it was now left again. And I do think that some of those personnel issues and some of those party shifting choices have occupied a bigger chunk of the conversation than his campaign itself. I think the campaign is really important, especially at this moment when you're seeing polls that reflect that uh, while Joe Biden enjoyed 58% of the Arab American vote back in 2020, he's now down to 17% because of so many people who are frustrated at his unqualified endorsement of Israel's um, retaliatory attacks against Palestine, which has now killed over 9,000 people, 70% of whom are women and children in Palestine. So Cornell West being the only candidate with a very strong pro- pro-Palestinian message, it seems like it would be a really great opportunity for him to recenter his policies and to get a campaign boost. However, polls, again, these, this recent Quinnipiac poll seems to suggest that to the extent that Arab-Americans are looking elsewhere for Joe Biden, and they mm-hmm. very much are, more Arab-Americans are currently looking at RFK Jr. and Cornell West. So I'd really like to see some movement from his campaign, mm-hmm. trying to perhaps, you know, you know make himself more of a presence at this moment because he really was made for this moment and also getting out there more and figuring out a way to connect to a public who i think overwhelmingly are looking for options other than a trump biden rematch
0: yep um what do you make I, I think i can sense it given uh your phraseology but what do you make of as you put it joe biden's unqualified endorsement of israel
1: um i stand with 18 humanitarian organizations who have called the status quo that existed before the horrific events of October 7th as an apartheid state. Uh, The people in Palestine, the 2.3 million of them, half of whom were children were living in a situation where there was intense food insecurity, uh, very little potable water, water and electricity and hospital supplies being already controlled by Israel um, these are people who had been pushed out of Palestine in 1948, in what is called uh, the Nakba in Arabic, and who have been gener- generations, multiple generations of refugees who live sometimes mere miles from where their ancestral homelands were, who aren't allowed to return. Um, this this is the foundational condition that we have to keep in mind, um, and I, you know, I, I think that in the interest of peace uh, and safety. For both israelis and jewish people in the diaspora and palestinians and other arabs in the diaspora Mm -hmm. you cannot get there without addressing the underlying conditions israel is not going to bomb this third way out of the fundamental issue of having millions of people who are disaffected and displaced in this way who ultimately i think have a i strongly believe have a real serious claim to uh, their self determination in lands that are currently occupied by Israel.
0: There's some breaking news earlier in this program that I want to get your temperature on, take your temperature on it in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, we're told by the White House, uh, is demanding, asking the Israeli government to pause the bombing every night again. Just pause every night again so we can get hostages out. Pause every night then so we can get uh, humanitarian aid in. It's almost ridiculous to read a statement like that, asking them to pause here and there, uh, rather than calling for a ceasefire or de-escalation. We'll get Brianna Joy Gray's take on that. Uh, we mentioned Cornel West, but I want to get her take on what the left's, the progressive uh, option is in 2024. Uh, then we'll get her, t- uh, her take on uh, the drama inside the House of U- uh, the House of Representatives, or as I call it, the haunted house these days. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray uh, is right now on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive, Progressive. unapologetically black, Black. Black. you're tapped into Tavis Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Let's get back to more Tavis Smiley right now. More Brianna Joy Gray, who you can see uh, on Rising. Uh, It's the TV show. It's called Rising on the Hill TV. Uh, and her podcast is called Bad Faith Podcast. She's a busy sister. Uh, Rising is a TV program on the Hill uh, TV Network, uh, and Bad Faith is her podcast. And I'm glad she had a few minutes to spend with us. And speaking of a few minutes, that's all I have left. Let me let me make the most of the time uh, that Brianna Joy Gray and I have um, in this conversation. I mentioned a moment ago, Brianna, um, that uh, Anthony Blinken uh, news came out of the White House today that he is asking um, the State of Israel uh, to pause, and that literally is their word to pause the bombing here and there so that they can get humanitarian aid in and get hostages out. Pausing the bombing is a far cry from ceasefire or de-escalation to my mind, but how do you read it?
1: Yeah, I mean, for some reason, the idea of calling for a ceasefire, even though 66% of Americans support it, we've seen hundreds of thousands of people across uh, the world uh, demonstrating, asking for exactly that, including the thousands of Jewish protesters that shut down Grand Central Station uh, last week, asking for a ceasefire now. Until today, Dick Durbin was the first, Senator, the first Congress member, uh, who, no, the first Senator, not the first Congress member, the first Senator who's been willing to call for a ceasefire. I mean, it's really remarkable that there is such an enormous divide between public opinion and the White House and most people in Congress on this issue. So I think you're exactly right. This idea of humanitarian pauses, I think, validates the idea that the enormous disproportionality that we've now seen in the last three weeks in Israel's uh, response to the October 7th attacks is appropriate and it also seems to validate the idea that there's anything um there's any relationship between these bombardments which are overwhelmingly killing innocents women men and children alike and not killing very many of the hamas individuals that israel says they're targeting so what is the fundamental purpose of continuing after a pause, I think, is a question that should be put yeah. to the people who are ad- advocating for just a pause instead of a ceasefire. Let
0: me ask you right quick, why do you think that gap, that, that huge gap, exists between the American public on the issue of ceasefire and the Biden administration?
1: Well, look, a 2014 Princeton study that I ended up citing a lot did an analysis of whether or not America really is a democracy, and it found that it wasn't. It's an, uh, an oligarchy. And the reason is exactly this, that when you look at issue after issue, there is basically zero relationship between what public opinion is and what Congress does. What Congress does is what their lobbyists and their special interests ask them to do. And there are few lobbying interests more powerful than APEC, which is the national... Israeli lobbying mm. interest group. This is not a Jewish lobbying group. It's not a, a lobbying group for Jewish Americans or even Israeli-American interests. It's specifically an Israeli lobbying group, and we're seeing this now play out. I mean, AOC actually recently on Twitter in the last couple of days made a very strong statement that is frankly out of character uh, for most people in Congress because of how powerful AIPAC is, yeah. condemning them for targeting, for example, uh, disproportionately black uh, Democrats who do tend to disproportionately have sympathetic policy positions toward Palestine, trying to primary them spending millions of dollars you know, against it, uh, Nina Turner and her race and the like. No,
0: so, so it's, it's, uh, it, it's a powerful point. I'm sorry, not, not to cut you off. It's a powerful point, uh, and I'm glad that um, she had the, the courage to actually say that. It's one thing to have a gap between the Supreme Court and the American people, and that's that that's hard to explain. Uh, well, it's not hard to explain. We've got a right-wing Supreme Court, but it's hard to justify a gap that big between what the American people want and what the Supreme Court keeps doing. But this gap between the White House uh, with an elected president and the American people on a ceasefire is unfathomable. Our remaining moments with Brianna with, uh, Joy Gray when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Tavis Tavis Smiley continues ball. when we come Forward, forward, forward.
1: rooting for everybody
0: black. Everybody black. Black. Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now, Just about three minutes left here with our guest uh, in this hour, Brianna Joy Gray. Her podcast is called Bad Faith Podcast, Bad Faith. And um, she's the co-host of Rising uh, on the Hill TV, and a pretty good show, uh, a very good show, in fact. <laughs> I like it. It's called Rising on the Hill TV. And, again, her podcast is called the Bad Faith Podcast. Uh, in our last few uh, uh, minutes here, our Brianna Joy Gray, let me ask you, what the left? Um, uh, I am unapologetically progressive in my politics. So everybody knows that what what what's my option in 2024
1: all right so the only uh i think vaguely left um candidate that's left in the democratic primary is marianne williamson i think that she is a leftist she has i think lost some support on the left because she is not as um she is supportive of the rights of palestinians she believes they have a right to self-determination And she objects to the bombardment they're experiencing right now. But she is, I think, rightly described as a a Zionist uh, who believes in the fundamental right of there to be a Jewish state in the region. Um, And I think is less open to the criticisms of Israel as an apartheid state. Um, Listen to her. Don't listen to me characterizing her. But that is part of why I think that she hasn't captured as much energy on the left Mm -hmm. as otherwise she might have. But it remains true that she is the left candidate for the Democratic primary. Now, after the Democratic primary is over, there is a question of what to do in the general election. And, of course, you had uh, both RFK Jr. running as an independent and uh, Cornell West running as an independent. My understanding is that the Green Party will be putting forward a candidate as well um, shortly if it hasn't been announced already. So those are going to be your options. Look, the Green, part of the criticism of, of Cornell West leaving the Green Party is the Green Party already has ballot access at a much larger number of states and it's going to be difficult for Cornell West to catch up. Mm. So we'll have to see what happens in terms of if the financial support he's able to get to get the signatures needed to get on ballots in the states that he needs to actually make a dent in this thing. But there is a huge appetite for an independent candidate, and I would love to see progressives across the country personally supporting Cornell West, and if Cornell West is not on the ballot in their state, whoever the Green Party puts forward.
0: In the last 45 seconds I have, um, is Mike Johnson uh, too extreme to be Speaker of the House?
1: Well, look, I, I honestly believe that a lot of these are distinctions distinction without a difference. I am an odd one out insofar as that I support supported the idea of withholding the vote for Speaker. I wish progressives had done this back in 2001, withholding their votes for Nancy Pelosi, in order to get concessions that are good for the American people, not just for self-aggrandizement. Mm-hmm. And I was hopeful that Matt Gates got something more substantive out of this, than seemingly just uh, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm. Uh, he is an extremist. Uh, he did support Donald Trump after uh, 1-6. I frankly do think that America's problems are bigger than 1-6, regrettably, at this point. Mm. So I'm not sure what big, how much of a difference it really
0: makes. Check out Brianna Joy Gray on our podcast, Bad Faith Podcast, and check her out uh, co-hosting uh, Rising on The Hill TV. Brianna Joy Gray, good to have you back on the program. All the best to you. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Same good, to you.
0: Good to have you on.